Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you guys online and in person. My name is Matt Wolf. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I am the lead pastor here, and I do want to get a chance to meet you. So if you can, if you're new here, online or in person, go to risedenver.com connect. We have a little form that says I'm new. Just press that button, fill out that form, and I would love to get to know you. What we do for every new person who fills out one of those forms, we give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission. So it's a gift in your name to someone else that's maybe on the streets or need a meal. So, so do that. I want to connect with you. We are going to jump into our new series, but I just want to put in a, a little plug first before we do, because we need some of you to step up and serve somewhere. Okay? We, we believe that it is what we're supposed to do as, as a body of Christ to serve somewhere. And um, we, we're just asking, even if you're brand new, you're like, I'm just checking out this church. This is a great way to get to know people, serving uh, alongside us. And we have some needs. We have um, just more and more people coming back in person, and we just uh, want to, you know, put out our ministries like we should be doing it, or what we were doing pre-pandemic. So we, we need some people to step up. We also have some really key volunteers that we love that are moving away. So we also just need to fill in some holes um, so we could use your, your help. So I got four areas, ministry areas, that we need specifically help in. Um, but if you don't want these four, that's okay. You can still serve. So what I want you guys to do, if you have your phone, go ahead and pull it out. Yes, you can pull out your phone right now and go to arisedenver.com slash connect. That one page, arisedenver.com slash connect, whether you're online or in person, you can get your phone out and do it. That is kind of our, our one-stop shop, uh, pretty much all the stuff that are going on. If you go there, you can click on a button and fill out a form, and, and we'll get you the information. So if you fill out the form that says serve somewhere, just one little button, you press that button, and, and you fill out, hey, I might be interested in these one, two, three areas, we're going to send you information. It's not like... It, an obligation that you're going to have to serve for the rest of your life there, okay? But you can come and check it out. We'll give you information. See, is this what I thought it was? So these are the four areas where we need some people to step up and serve somewhere. Number one, with Elevate Kids. We have incredible kids ministry here. We invest in the next generation. But because of pandemic, we've had less kids, and, and therefore we've kind of combined some classes. Well, with more kids coming back, we want to go back to our full slate of class offerings. So kids can be in an area that's specifically designed for that age. They can hear a lesson specifically designed for them. So we need more people to step up with Elevate Kids. So if you love kids, if you like kids, if you just want to invest in the next generation, make sure you click that button for Elevate Kids. If you're saying, hey, I don't know if I can serve on Sundays, but maybe you could serve in the week setting up, prepping for the Sunday. So even if you don't like kids... You should serve with Elevate Kids. If you can, like, hey, I can handle a few tasks and put, make some photocopies and cut, cut some stuff out. Uh, so go to Elevate uh, Kids on that Serve Somewhere forum. Fill that one out. So that's the first area. The second area is the worship and tech team. We have three vocalists that we love that are moving away this spring, and, and we're going to miss them dearly. And we also have an incredible sound tech, Ben, wherever Ben is, and he's going to be moving away in a month. So with that, we just want to plug some holes. We, we want to get other people involved. So if you are a vocalist, an instrumentalist, uh, just want to learn how to play an instrument. <laughs> or if you love sound, you just love listening to music, you can we'll train you how to be a, a sound tech. If you can just press buttons on a, a computer keyboard, you can run slides. If you want to be a Hollywood producer, you can even set our new camera scenes, you know. There's some really cool ways to serve in our tech team. So if you go to Elevate, or I'm sorry, if you go to that Serve Summer Forum, either click Worship Team or Tech Team, we could really use some help with that team. Third area, Cafe Team. Since the pandemic started, we haven't had a coffee and cafe area because we've been trying to, you know, keep everybody safe. But I think we want to relaunch that again. So with that, we need some people who are willing to bring in baked goods or bake something. We need people who can serve at that cafe and just have a smiling face and, and give a cup of coffee to somebody because I need more coffee. I need more coffee. I always used to drink a mid-service mid coffee between the two services, and I haven't been drinking that yet. Okay, 
I need more coffee. I got three kids now. I need my coffee, okay? So if you want to be part of the cafe team, yes, thank you for those beers. Uh, make sure you click that. And then the fourth area, this is a new one. We have a new local outreach opportunity. So Denver Rescue Mission, who we partner with, we love, reached out to us. And one of the things they want to do is prevent homelessness. I mean, that sounds good. So then they don't have to provide all the services when someone becomes homeless. And what they're finding is refugee families especially need help. So what they're doing is providing financial support, but what they need is churches and and a team from a church to come alongside these refugee families to help. So they reached out to us just this last week and said, hey, we have a family that lives right next to the church, right down the street from us, a family of four that are Burmese refugees. You know where Burma is? The country of Myanmar that's having a crazy set of conflict right now. Like every day in the news, there's like 80 more people killed in protests. It's bad over there. And we often think, like, there's nothing I can do about it. That's so far in the Far East, I don't even know where Myanmar is. Well, guess what? We can help them because they're here. They're refugees from that country who are down the street, a family of four who needs our help. So they asked us to provide a mentoring team. So if you're interested in that, you can partner with this family for a period of six months just to get to know them, love them, encourage them, help them with uh, some things if they have questions. And um, so with your team, you'll check on them once a month or, or, you know, a few times in the month, depending on how we work it out with the team, we're still figuring this out, right? Um, they'll be training online for how to do this, and you'll commit to these six months. There for the Denver Rescue Mission has the financial support. We'll just come along to provide the personal support. We can even invite them to church and love this family. I think this is a really cool opportunity that they asked us to help with. Um, so I hope we get a few people that can, can step up to, to serve with one of these. And there will probably be a couple more families in the next few months as well, but we got this one right now that needs help. So you can click local outreach and click on the button that says refugee mentoring if you're on that serve somewhere form. So everybody should do this in person, online. These are things you can do. Even if you're online and you're like, well, how do I serve with this? We can figure out a way, even if you're not physically present, to get you involved with these things. Even with the refugee mentoring, maybe it's to to make phone calls and send texts to encourage this family. Like there are some great ways that you can serve, whether you're in person or online. So even if you don't live in Colorado, you can serve. That's cool. So I hope that you guys will do that. We want to encourage you to serve somewhere. Uh, I know some of you still have your phones out, and if you do, we're going to transition now to our time of giving, which also you can do on your phone, arisedenver.com slash give, or we have these wooden boxes. Maybe you haven't even noticed them. On, on the way out this door, and there's two on the way out to these double doors, boxes on either side. You can drop off cash and checks because we're not passing around the plate anymore. We don't want to pass around COVID or anything else, right, Brandon? So just drop your cash, drop, <laughs> drop your checks in those boxes if you want to give. And we do encourage you to give because God is doing stuff here. God is doing some amazing things. We had 466 people here in person last week. Yeah, that's pretty incredible through our three services. We had over 400 more join us online. Yes, I mean, that's incredible. And we saw over this last week 10 people make decisions to follow Jesus for the first time. Yes. People are taking steps of faith. People want to get baptized. We're just so excited for that. And when you give, you make that happen. So you make that happen. You're a part of that every time that you give a dollar. So we encourage you to do that. Maybe make a one-time gift because you're getting your tax return. You're getting your Biden check. Okay, share it, share it with the church a little bit. Okay, we could use a one-time gift. Or maybe it's time for you to become a regular giver. We encourage people to become part of our generosity team. And what that means is you're saying, hey, I'm going to give $25 a week or $100 a month. And I'm going to set it up so it's automated giving so that my church can rely on this and, and it can support the ministry that we're doing. So we encourage everybody to do that right now. So I'm going to say a prayer for offering right now, and then we are going to jump into our first week of Better Than You Think. Let's pray. Lord God, I'm grateful for this morning that we can be together. 
some of you are watching this not in the morning, and wherever they are, whenever they are, Lord, I'm just so grateful that we can be together as a church body to worship. And I pray right now as we are volunteering our time, our talents, and our treasures to serve and to give, Lord, I pray that you'd use our generous living to not only give us happiness and joy as we serve and give, but also to bless others. I pray that our church would just continue to make impact here locally and around the world through the giving that we are um, participating in right now. I pray that you bless it. And then also, help us to learn today. Help us to grow. Pray that our mind would be open to understand, our ears would be open to hear, and then our hearts would be open to believe and obey as we hear from your word this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Better than you think. Better than you think. Today we're talking about heaven. We're talking about heaven because what I have found is that a lot of people think heaven is going to be boring. I thought the same thing. I remember learning about it as a kid, and I vividly remember this, laying awake at night, thinking about heaven and how it's just going to be the same day over and 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 then some more, right? Just keeps going for endless eternity. And I thought, how boring. I was scared of it as a kid. I'm going to be honest. And for a lot of people, that's what they think of heaven, that it, that it seems so boring to have endless eternity of the same day again and again and again. It, it, the, the popular images of heaven would make it seem that way, boring and, and just kind of unearthly. I mean, think about it, whether it's, you know, art or movies or, or TV shows or, or whatever we see these depictions of heaven, it's like someone's floating on clouds in diapers. That's the title of my message today. So honestly, that's like the image you see, like this is what people think of in our culture when they think of heaven, floating on clouds in diapers, that you're just floating around like just up there, like weightless. And I've seen enough outer space movies to know I don't want to do that forever. I mean, I, it just makes me want to vomit even just thinking about it. And the vomit's floating around all around me. Oh, doesn't sound fun, right? And then it's like on clouds and, and diapers. You know, there's these little fat, pudgy babies with diapers on in heaven everywhere. I don't want to wear diapers. No, thanks. I got th two kids in diapers right now. I don't want to wear diapers. And everybody's in white, too. What's up with that? An, like an NSYNC music video or something. Like <laughs> Somebody is an NSYNC fan, okay? I, I don't want to wear white forever. I mean, I think I would like a little bit of color, right? A few options, not just white robes or white diapers or whatever. It just seems boring. And then it's the same thing over and over again. It's like this perpetual church service with organ music playing. I mean, man, the way our culture thinks about heaven, it seems boring and awful. I think Isaac Asimov captures this this um, sense of what people think about heaven very well. This is what he wrote, the, the science fiction author. He said, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. That's what people think about heaven. Some of them don't want to believe it. I even heard a pastor, I heard a pastor say, I'm afraid of heaven, it sounds like hell. I mean, this is what we think. And, and the way we, we see I images of heaven depicted, no wonder why it seems so awful. I don't want to do that forever. But I honestly think <laughs> that this is like Satan's way to get us to stop believing, honestly, because we have such a poor view of what heaven is. That's not at all like what the Bible says, what we're going to learn today. Randy Alcorn, he's a Christian author, theologian. He has a great book called Heaven. 
I always recommend this book. It's so good. It looks at all the scriptures in the Bible on heaven and then uses that to say, hey, what, what could heaven be like? It answers a bunch of questions we have or, or tries to provide the best answer we can have as we think about heaven. So I always recommend this book. It's great to just have on your shelf if you have questions about heaven. And, and in it, I'm going to reference him maybe a couple more times in this message. But in it, he, he says this. He says, some of Satan's favorite lies are about heaven. For Satan need not convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He need only convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. And he's right. And that's why today we are going to combat those lies from Satan. To learn about heaven as it really is, as, as told us from God in his word. We're going to learn today, and this is so good, you're, you're going to remember this one. You need to remember this. That heaven is life as it was meant to. Heaven is life as it was meant to be. So the way we're going to learn about heaven is by looking around at, at our life as, as the scriptures teach us. And we're going to see some things and it's going to point us forward to what heaven is actually going to be like. Not floating around wearing white. It's going to be so much better than that. So in this series, what we're going to do is tackle a different topic over the next four weeks. It's, we're calling this series Better Than You Think because, as in this first message, heaven is better than you think. Next week, we're going to talk about how, you know, uh, our salvation is better than you think. It's not working super hard like you're climbing up Mount Everest and maybe I can make it to the top. No, no, no. Salvation is way better than you think. Then after that, we're going to talk about rules because everybody thinks Christianity is all about the rules. It's a straitjacket. But, but Christianity is way better than you think. And in the last week, we're going to talk about us Christians because us Christians, we have a bad rap of being hateful hypocrites that are way outdated. And in that message, we're going to learn that Christians, the church, is way better than you think. So in this message, I, I hope that we break some of these bad ideas we have. If you're joining us online, maybe you're not even a Christian. That's, this is great. This whole series is, is perfect for you because we're going to combat a lot of the lies people think about heaven, about Christianity, about the church. And we're going to learn even Christians need to learn this stuff, I think. Even Christians need to. So if you're joining us for the first time today or you're coming back after Easter because Easter was awesome, whether you're online or in person, I want you to commit to coming to these four weeks. Okay? You already hear one. Boom. You've got, you got three more weeks that I want you to commit to. So set your alarm now. Yeah, on our phones, we can say every Sunday I want to wake up at. Okay, online, maybe you're going to set a reminder and say, hey, I'm going to make sure that I watch every week. Because this series is going to be so important as we do learn that it's so much better than you think. And today, we're going to learn about heaven. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65, we're going to start in verse 17. On your phone, you can get there in the YouVersion Bible app. That app is really cool because we have an event for our church you can search for, and you can find just the Arise Church Denver. It has the scriptures, it has the points, you can take notes, you can save it onto your phone. You have that with you. So Isaiah chapter 65, we're going to go over 17 all the way to 25 in that chapter as we learn and as we see this vision of heaven that comes from God's mouth through the prophet Isaiah. So I'll start there in verse 17. See, I will create, God says, new heavens and a new earth. See, I will create. He's telling us about something he will do that's coming in the future. I will create new heavens and a new earth. Some of you are wondering, what's wrong with current heaven? Okay, that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> so, I just want to make sure we're all on the page, same page as we talk about heaven because people can mean a lot of different things when they talk about heaven. So right now, where are we? Earth. That's right. And if you're not, I'll pray for you after the service. We're on, we're on earth, right? <laughs> we are in earth right now. In this life, we are here on earth. 
that uh, that as we're here, I see you've learned a thing. Okay, welcome to planet Earth. Sometimes we need that reminder. We are on Earth. This is our life. As we're living this life, it's Earth. Well, when we die, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we are going to what often is referred to as heaven. Okay, that's that's kind of the next step. You die. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you go to heaven. Jesus called it paradise. To the man that was on the cross next to him who put his faith in Jesus Christ at the very end, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. Paul, who has his own vision of heaven in Philippians chapter 1, says to depart from the body, to depart from earth, is to be present with the Lord, to be home with the Lord. That's the word home. So I like the word uh, paradise. I like the word home. That's what it talks about, about this current heaven where God lives. This is where God is reigning, where Jesus himself is reigning on a throne, where the angels are, are ministering to God, and this is heaven. But theologically speaking, we could call it the intermediate heaven. The intermediate heaven. Or some people even call it the temporary heaven. Because God says, I'll create a new heaven, right? So there's this intermediate heaven. We're not told a ton about what this is like in the scriptures. A little bit here and there. Paradise, it's going to be at home, it's going to be awesome. But it's not actually, as Christians, our ultimate hope. What we are hoping for is the new heaven. The new heaven. So at the very end, you know, after that doomsday prepper stuff that we were talking about, when Jesus returns, or if we die before Jesus returns, we are resurrected, it says, and God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. So, so this new heaven is actually our ultimate hell, home where we'll spend for eternity. Earth... When you die, if you die before Jesus comes back, you go to that intermediate heaven, and then at the very end, we'll have resurrected bodies on the new heavens and the new earth. Now, that second arrow, that's where all the Christians debate and argue about what actually happens during that time period. What is it going to be like? Is there going to be a millennium where Jesus is going to reign on earth? We're not going to talk about any of that today. We're talking about that very end, new heaven, okay? This is our ultimate hope, where we're ultimately hoping to be whatever happens in that arrow. (laughs) The ultimate hope is the new heavens and the new earth. So when Isaiah is this prophet and he's this mouthpiece for God and God is saying, hey, I'm going to make a new heaven, I'm going to make a new earth, that's what he's talking about. So when I talk about heaven today, that's what I'm referring to, okay? The ultimate heaven, our our ultimate hope that we'll be with forever. And so this is what I want to see next, that the new earth is the new heaven. They're combined. And we actually see this in Revelation chapter 21, the second to last chapter in the entire Bible. John, one of the disciples of Jesus, has his own vision of heaven. And in Revelation chapter 21, um, starting in verse 3, I don't, I've got to learn where everything is today. Revelation 21, John has this vision. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See those quotes there? He's quoting Isaiah chapter 65. And he has this vision of the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It's gone. The earth as we know it will, will be destroyed. But there will, in its place will be a new heaven and a new earth. But then this is the good part. It says, I saw the holy city, the, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So this image is really important because what happens at a wedding with a bride and a husband? Well, we believe the two become one flesh. There was a couple that got baptized a few weeks ago, Justin and Liza. I don't know if you remember them. I officiated their wedding here last night. It was fun. I kind of planned it in the last week, and we we did it ceremony. It's awesome because what we celebrate, why we love weddings, is the two, two separate people become one flesh. It's one unit, one family now. It's a new thing. So in the same way, 
Heaven, this holy city, is coming down to the new earth like a bride prepared for the groom. And then the two become one. And that's why it says in verse 3 next, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. God himself, heaven itself, comes down, and the new heavens and new earth are one. So what we look forward to is the new earth, made new like it was supposed to be at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Now it's going to be made new. It's going to be perfect, without destruction, without death, without any of the blemishes that are part of our earth right now. And heaven itself, we won't have to wait. It's way up, up there, floating in clouds. No, no, no. Heaven is coming down onto the new earth. You get that? So that's why my big idea today is heaven is life as it was meant to be. The new earth is earth. It's earth 2.0. It's earth the way it was meant to be. Heaven is life as it was meant to be. So now we're on the same page about this new heaven and new earth that the, the scriptures actually teach us about. We're going to learn three different things about how it is life as it was meant to be. And the first thing is that heaven is happiness as it was meant to be. Heaven is happiness as it was meant to be. So let's look at the second half of verse 17 in Isaiah 65. The former things will not be remembered, it says, nor will they come to mind. So this is God talking about the new heaven. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Now, this is really good news because we all have bad memories. We have things that we have done that we feel guilty and remorseful for. We have terrible things that have happened to us. We carry around shame, some of us trauma from our past. All those awful, evil things from the past won't even come to mind anymore. Now, people wonder if this means that we won't be able to remember what earth was like, and I don't think so. I just think heaven is going to be so good, we're going to be so filled with the happiness in heaven that we won't even think about that. You guys know this. In your happiest moments, you're not reliving the the awful things from your past because your mind is filled with the good things of the present. So in the same way in heaven, those things aren't going to come to mind. We're not going to remember them. Not because we can't remember, because we, we won't need to. And man, this is good news because there's those things in our past that make us unhappy in the present, aren't they? shame we carry around, the guilt we carry around, the trauma. Hi, Evie. Don't think about her. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have. <laughs> Love you, Evie. So that, that's the first thing that we, we notice here. So, so that's why it's going to be happiness as it was meant to be. But, but it goes on in verse 18. Ooh, I like this word. But be glad and rejoice forever. Do you know what the word rejoice means? Be happy forever. In what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. The people who are there in heaven, the believers in Jesus Christ, you and I, who put our faith in Jesus, will be joy for each other and for ourselves. Even get this, verse 19, I, God says, I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. God's going to be happy. He says, the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more said last week that there's a lot of things to cry about in this world, right? Wouldn't it be nice to not ever have to cry about anything ever again? Man, that sounds good. No more weeping. No more crying. We won't hear anybody else crying either. There's only going to be happiness, only joy, only goodness, and it's going to be happiness as it was meant to be. I, I say happiness as it was meant to be because in this life we have moments of happiness, don't we? 
great happiness. These moments that make your heart sing and, and leap is good. We even say things like that, or, uh, like a taste of heaven or, or a slice of heaven. You know, we say things like this because that's what it is. The best happiness we have in this life is just a little foretaste of what is to come. But it's a tiny little foretaste. Just a little bit. Because what happens in this earth right now? We have that moment, and then it's gone. A moment later, you're thinking about even the moment, right? And then it's gone. And we try to recreate that moment. We try to stay in that moment as long as we can. That, that's why, you know, we go to concerts. That's why we go on trips. That's why people spend millions and billions of dollars building houses and building Disney World, the happiest place on earth, because we want to find that happiness, even if it's just for a moment. We spend tons of money on food, and we, we get people together, and, and it's all these so we can get those glimpses of happiness now. And I'm not saying any of that is bad, although you shouldn't waste all your money chasing those fleeting things that oftentimes the best ones are free, right? But those moments are just an amuse-bouche of heaven. You guys ever had an amuse-bouche? It's a fancy word for the appetizer before the appetizer. You have to go to a really fancy restaurant to get an amuse-bouche, right? It's like these tiny little bites. Sometimes even the chef will have a one bite. They'll try to get this perfect one bite, and that's all you'll get as you're waiting for your appetizer before your salad, before your soup, before you finally get the first entree, Okay? The greatest moments of happiness in this life are the little amuse-bouche, that tiny bite you get before all that. That's what it's saying here, because it's going to be happiness that we can feel and experience and hold on to, and we won't be distracted by the things of this world. You know, with kids now, I'm, I'm distracted all the time, right? It's hard to stay in the moment. I always say that about parents. Just stay in the moment. Like, you can't, because there's a million things going around. And I still miss that my kid put something in their mouth and they're about to die, Right? Because we're distracted by things. We have memories of the past that bog us down. We have hurt. There are distractions. There are things that smell bad that distract us from the good things that are happening around us. There's all sorts of things that take us out of those moments of happiness. But when we get to heaven, there will be nothing to distract us like that. There will only be happiness so that we can fully enjoy those moments again and again and again. And it's the new earth. This means we will eat and feast tells us in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6, that it will be a great feast that God will prepare for us, a banquet, the best wines and the best meats. Sounds good to me. That's what it's going to be like. It's the best meals. It's also going to be the new earth. So I imagine the places that I will never be able to get to in this life, traveling-wise. Maybe we'll get to travel and experience all those things for eternity. Why not? Why not go swim in those beautiful blue oceans and not have to be like, oh, I'm going to have to go home in three days. Right? Isn't that what we do on our vacations? But in heaven, it's forever and ever. Those moments of happiness will be unending. That's why heaven is happiness as it was meant to be. Man, that sounds good to me, doesn't it? Sounds good to me. C.S. Lewis is right, I think, when he says that joy is the serious business of heaven. The serious business. God wants us to be happy. In this life, too. We'll talk about that more in the next couple of weeks but especially in the life to come. It's all about our eternal happiness and God's happiness. He's happy when we're happy, just like it's any parent is happy when their child is happy. Our Father in heaven will be so glad to see us smile and laugh. But it's not just that heaven is going to be happiness as it is meant to be. The second thing we're going to learn today 
is that heaven is every day as it was in heaven. I mean two things with this. Every day as in it's going to be forever and ever and ever, but also in that it's everyday life. That it was the way it was meant to be. So I want to show you this first thing in, in verse 20. Now these, this verse is a little weird, but we're talking about it. We talk about the weird verses here. Verse 20 says, Never again will there be in it, in heaven, an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Now there are some debate about this, because it sounds like people are dying from this one verse. There's some debate about whether this is talking about you know, life right now or life in the millennium when Jesus comes back to reign on the earth. I am going to give you my opinion here, because yes, theologians debate about this verse, but I'm going to give you my opinion that I think this is talking about the ultimate heaven and it's not actually saying people are going to die. The reason why I think it's talking about the ultimate heaven is because this verse, as we saw, was quoted in Revelation 21, where it says in verse 4 of Revelation 21, there will be no more death. Same chapter, quoting Isaiah 65 or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So if it says there's going to be no more death, there's going to be no more death. So why does it say here in verse 20 that there's going to be someone who dies at 100? Well, I think, as in all prophecy, it's trying to teach us about things we don't quite grasp with things we do understand. We do understand the thought of someone being 100 years old and dying as being, like, that's a a long life. That's a long, good life, we say. Wow, that person lived for a long time. What a great life. So if that were to happen in heaven, then we'd think, oh my gosh, that's it? So it's that, that mindset that's what it's going to be like in heaven, that, that 100 years is going to seem like nothing compared to the every day that we will live for eternity and eternity without death, without uh, our bodies breaking down, without us having to worry about disease and sickness and cancer and COVID-19. We won't have to wear masks anymore to worry about passing around a virus. That sounds like heaven, doesn't it? Now I'm longing for that, right? Let's get these get through this thing, right? So we're all longing for it. But heaven, we're not going to have to ever worry about sickness or death ever again. It's going to be every day forever. So that's verse 20. But, but it's even more than that. Look with me at verses 21 and 22. It says, They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. The reason why I'm saying that heaven is every day as it was meant to be, because people here are building houses, they're planting vineyards, they're tending the vineyards, they're harvesting from the vineyards, eating the fruit of it. It seems like everyday life as it was meant to be. And I say this because it even says that we'll work, in verse 23, they will not labor in vain. But it sounds like we will labor, we will work. A lot of people have this, um, I think, false idea of heaven that it's going to be like Boca. Like it's going to be this retirement community down in Arizona where you're going to be golfing forever and ever. But actually, it, it seems like heaven will continue to have work, but it's going to be the type of work that's fruitful without toil. And I say this because a lot of us, our hobbies are really work, right? A lot of us, our hobbies are really work. That when I go on vacation a lot of times, when we go out to Utah, I I spend time with Melissa's dad, and we have been building a cabin together. On my vacation, I work and build a cabin, and I love it, right? Because I'm building something, it's enjoyable, we're in the mountain air, 
we're building this cabin. It's, it's so enjoyable. And then we're going to get to stay in that cabin. And it's the same thing. It's like you're going to build your house and then live in it. It's going to be awesome. You're going to work your vineyard and eat the fruit. So when we have hobbies like, like building or hunting or fishing or baking or, or working in the yard, all these things we work at, right, for fun? Why? Because it's enjoyable. But it's going to take away all the bad parts of it, the toil. The toil, the, the worst things that, that our hands like break down and, and, and we have pain in our hands and then we get arthritis and our back is hurting because we've been lifting stuff for so long. All that's going to be gone. <laughs> We're going to be able to enjoy it. We're going to be able to focus on the things we're doing without distraction or worried about, I'm spending too much time doing this, this fun thing. Okay, no, no, no. You're going to be in that river fishing for eternity. Like, awesome. I get to enjoy this, and I, I get to try a different place to, to catch trout again. And, and whatever the, these hobbies that you have, baking cakes or, or decorating or fashion, I don't know, all these things, they're work, but they're going to be so enjoyable as we make them, get to enjoy them, and then get to give them to other people too. I think that's going to happen. We enjoy all this work of our hands together. You know, what's really interesting is, is if heaven is life as it was meant to be, it's really looking even backwards to the Garden of Eden. Did you know when God created the perfect Garden of Eden, he put Adam and Eve in it, and it says that he took Adam and he put the, him in the garden to work it and tend it. In the perfect Garden of Eden, Adam was working. But it was great work. He loved it. He got to name the animals. It wasn't until there was sin entering in the world and the curse for sin in Genesis chapter 3 was that the ground was cursed and there would be thorns and thistles and there would be sweat on the brow as we worked because all our work gets so frustrating, doesn't it? And it's frustrating when we work for something and then we don't get to enjoy it too. That's what it says. Isaiah was prophesying at a time where God's people had built houses, planted vineyards, worked the land, they loved it, and then the enemy came in, captured those people, kidnapped them, and sent them into exile. That's what Isaiah is speaking of. He's like, remember those houses you built that you don't even get to live in? Now a foreigner has taken over your house and lived in it? That's never going to happen again. You're going to build it, and you're going to live in it and celebrate it. Every day is going to be great. So like for us, in our work, we do something great, and then your boss takes credit for it, right? You make a lot of money, and then the IRS takes a third of it, right? We build things, and we don't get to fully enjoy them. Even if we have a great thing that we accomplish, Okay, Monday again. we got to get back to it, right? Isn't that what we do with our work? But not in heaven. It's going to be every day as it was meant to be. It's going to be work as it was meant to be. Enjoyable as we work with our hands, doing the things we want to do. <laughs> not that someone's forcing us to do. But we have to just to put bread on the table. It's going to be the work we want to accomplish. And it's going to be great. So that's why I say, as my second point today, is that heaven is every day as it was meant to be. The best days. The, the good days, the accomplishment, purposeful days that it was meant to be. There's a third thing. Heaven is relationships as they were meant to be. It's going to be the relationships as they were meant to be. Ba back at the end of verse 23, you might have noticed this. It says, they will not bear children doomed to misfortune. One of the hardest things about being a parent is watching your kids suffer or die. It's never going to happen again. The people we love are only going to have happiness. And it says, they will be a blessed people by the Lord in the end of verse 23, for they and their descendants with them. This sounds like generation after generation after generation will all be together. It'll be like the best family reunion without any sibling rivalries or drunk uncles, okay? It's going to be so great to see family and to see the generations that have come before. I'm excited to, to talk to, to some of my ancient ancestors that I would never have a chance to meet. 
my, my grandpa, just a couple years ago, I'm going to talk about him in just a minute again, but I stayed with him uh, two summers ago, and he had this magazine article. He opened it up. It was the very first female preacher in our country. He said, this is one of your ancestors. I was like, what? Uh, that's pretty cool, right? I'll, I'll get to meet her. And I'll be like, wait, hey, this is cool. We're somehow distantly related back 15 generations or something, right? It, it's going to be so cool to do it. And the one still to come that we're going to spend time with our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and their kids. And it's all going to be together, and there's going to be the relationships of our family like they were meant to be. It says in verse 24, this is even greater, this relationship. God says, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. In this life, even if we have a relationship with God, we have to pray. And we're like, did you hear that? Did I say it a little louder? Do I need to add some these and thous to make sure it gets through? Like, am I, am I doing this right? Close eyes, open eyes, kneel. What do I need to do, right? But we're going to be with God face to face in a relationship. And we can just talk with him. Even when we ask things, we don't have to wait for an answer. It'll be like that. I, I'm looking forward to asking God some questions, too. Like, why did that happen? Why are there mosquitoes? Like, what's, the, what's my God? I don't get it, right? We're going to have all these questions, and we can just ask God, and he will be there to listen to us. And like the Father, he'll love to talk with us. A relationship with God will be as it was meant to be. And then in verse 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. The wolf and the lamb. Now people wonder, is this thing, there's going to be animals in heaven? I think so. I'm going to talk about it in my midweek moment here coming up. But I, I think these animals are symbolic because the wolf is the animal we fear that eats our livestock, that, that comes in and eats the lamb. It's, it's a predator. It's violent. It kills lambs even that it doesn't need to eat, Right? But here now the wolf and the lamb are friends. They're buddies. They're hanging out. The lion is eating straw like the ox. It doesn't need to be a carnivore because somehow they are peaceful together. I think this is symbolic of the whole world being restored in relationships. Animals to animals. And I think it extends beyond that. Animals to people. People to animals. People to people. There's going to be no more violence. It even says that. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Man, don't you look forward to a world without conflict, without violence, without shootings? Yes, that's what it's going to be like. And it says, and dust will be the serpent's food. The serpent that was in the garden, Satan, who tempted Adam and Eve, he has now bitten the dust. That's what it says. He's gone. In fact, in Revelation tells us that Satan himself has been thrown into the lake of fire to never tempt anyone ever again. That means no temptation, no sin. We won't have to worry about the accuser who gets into our mind and, and manipulates us. All our relationships will be restored. It'll be peace. The, the, the scriptures call it shalom. The peace, the world as it was meant to be. It's going to be all these relationships they were meant to be. And I, I long for that day. I long for relationships to be like that. We don't have to worry about conflict and, and hate and, and violence and all that. Man, heaven is life as it was meant to be. And this is, this is such... An earthly vision of heaven, isn't it? Because it's the new heaven and the new earth combined. It's not just floating around on these clouds out there wearing these white clothes and diapers and playing a harp. I don't want to play the harp. I want to play drums in heaven. No drumming. Heaven is life as it was meant to be. 
I want to learn how to play the cello too when I get to heaven. That'd be cool. I mean, be a good instrument. I, I, I'm looking forward to this, right? Well, I have enough time. Figure it out. It, it's, it's life as it was meant to be. Randy Alcorn, in, in the book I referenced earlier, he says this. If we can pull up this, this quote from Randy Alcorn. He says, and for us, no, I'm speaking too much backwards again. I think I have another quote from Randy Alcorn. No, I'm speaking too much. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it. Randy Alcorn basically says, the way we look about, learn about heaven by looking at the world around us. When we see things that are really bad and awful, we'll know that heaven will fix those things. Those scars, those wounds, the, the evil things that we're feeling, it's not going to be like that. We, we can just take this off. So all the bad stuff will point us to how good heaven will be. We'll long for how great heaven will be. And the good things, they'll be those foretastes, the amuse-bouche of what heaven's going to be like. Oh, I can't wait till I can really experience that full thing. That's what heaven is going to be like, and, and that's something I long for. John Calvin even once said that nobody has made very much progress in their faith if they don't think about heaven more. We need to think about heaven more. We need to savor it. We need to long for it and imagine how great it will be from these images like this, this chapter we just saw in Isaiah. Say, wow, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I want to think about what it's going to be like because it's so much greater, and it helps us in this life too. Just a couple weeks ago, um, we found out that my grandpa has a really aggressive form of cancer. And w we still don't know what's, what's going to happen with him. He has an oncology uh, appointment this Wednesday. We don't know if there's going to be treatment or, or if there's treatment for this. So I don't know, but I know that it's aggressive and it's, it's bad. Um, and, and I look at my grandpa. Um, he, I, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. You can pray for him. His name's Ray, my middle name. And we call him Pepe because he's French-Canadian. Um, that's where my family comes from up Quebec. So yes, I'm a little bit Canadian. We, we all need a little more Canadian in us, I think. I don't <laughs> but but my, my Pepe, like, I love him. He's had a long, great life. I think he's almost 88. And he, you know, served in the Army. He had a great career. He retired early. They had a retirement home in, in Arizona where they played a lot of golf. He has had four kids. Three are still living. He, I, I tried to, my best to count it. I think there's 13 grandkids and 18 great-grandkids. I mean, that's a long, full, amazing life. And I called him on Friday. I went out for a walk, and I just was like, I want to just talk with him. I, I haven't seen him here in a little while. And, and his voice was weak, right? I mean, already he's, he's feeling it. His, his voice was weak. He could barely hang in there. I think he was in some pain. So it was a very short conversation. And that's not life as it was meant to be. Our bodies are not supposed to break down. We're not supposed to be separated from the people we love. That's not life as it was meant to be. So when we talk about heaven today, this is not just theoretical. This is not just theology that we can fill our heads with. This is more real than this life, and we need it. Because I want my Pepe with me in heaven for eternity. And I want you in heaven in eternity with me as well. This is why we do what we do. And I plead with you because I want you to be there. I want you to experience the fullness of happiness. And I don't want any stupid ideas about what you think heaven is to stop you from realizing how great and grand it will be forever and ever. I want you there. I want you, if you're listening to my voice right now online, I want you there. And I want you to experience the happiness that will be the fullness of all happiness for eternity and eternity. I want there to be no more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death that we don't have to worry about cancer or COVID-19 or Parkinson's or anything like that ever again. I want to celebrate. I want to be dancing. And I want to see you there. 
So that's why we talk about here, because we want to help you follow Jesus, because it's when you decide to follow Jesus, to make him your Lord and Savior, that you can be guaranteed that you'll be in heaven. Because Jesus wants you there so much that he left it all. Did you know he was in heaven? He created the earth. And then he came down, he left it where angels were worshiping him, where he had the fullness of relationship. He left all that to come down into this earth, to experience the brokenness, the hardship. That when he was beaten and, and bloody, when, when he was hung up on the cross and when he had to breathe his last, he, he had experienced all that breakdown of his body because he loved us. And he knew it was the only way to bring us to where he is, to reconcile us and restore us in relationship to himself. He knew that when he died on the cross, it was the final atonement that would pay for all of our sins so that we could enter heaven. That he is, as he said, the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. And Jesus cared about us so much that he was willing to die on the cross for you. And he said, before he died, he said, I'm going there to my Father's house. He knew what it was like. He says, there are many rooms that I have prepared for you. And I'm going there, but I will come back. He says this, I will come back personally to bring you to be where I am in the Father's house, in heaven. His life is it was meant to be. So I'm saying this because if you are not a believer today, you will not be in heaven. There, there's no other way around. There is no way to heaven except through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, as we sing this morning. So I want you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Just say, say, maybe I'll put my faith in him. Even if you just have a little bit of faith, that's enough. Just say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. You take care of the rest, and that's enough. So I want to give you a chance right now to say a prayer right now, to accept Jesus, the gift of his forgiveness and his atonement on the cross, and, and that he will be your Lord and Savior today. You will follow him not just in this life, but into the one to come. So if, if I could have everybody just close your eyes for a second. What we do here is if you're already a believer, I want you to say this prayer out loud. Maybe give courage to someone who needs to say this prayer for the very first time. And if you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you want to be in that heaven forever and ever. I want you to say this prayer. Repeat it after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you until I reach heaven. Now, if you're here and you said that prayer for the first time and you meant it, if you are now a follower of Jesus Christ, would you just slip your hand into the air? Everybody's eyes are closed. Just slip your hand into the air. I want to encourage you, pray for you. Um, just slip that hand to the air. And, and if you're online watching, go to risedenver.com slash connect. Hit that button, start following Jesus. I have a special gift that I want to send to you. Um, and just to encourage you in the most important decision you've ever made. Because now you'll be in heaven. In fact, the angels, it says, are rejoicing right now. Angels are rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who is now repented. So I want to do one other thing. I want to do one other thing. Could I have everybody just stand up for a second? I want everybody to stand up, and I, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. And, and if heaven is life as it was meant to be, I want us to think back to the greatest moments of our life. Just, just maybe think of one of them. Maybe it was when you got married. Maybe it was a first date. Maybe it was hanging out with friends. Maybe it was when your child was. 
Maybe it was a great meal or a great trip. I want you to think of that moment. Maybe you were fishing or on top of a mountain, that great moment that you're like, wow, this is incredible. Hold that moment in your mind for just a second. Taste it. Savor it. That's just an amazing gauge. <laughs> That's just a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. And as we're thinking about those great moments, know that heaven is going to be like that forever and ever without end. It won't even be a memory. It won't even be a great moment. It will be great eternity. Life as it was meant to be. Lord God, we long for heaven. We long for the day when all will be restored as it was meant to be, as, as you created it in the Garden of Eden where there is perfection, where there's the wolf and the lamb together that we can be there in peace with our family and more importantly with you for eternity, experiencing the true joy and you experiencing joy as well with us. Lord God, we long for that. We want that. Help our eyes and our mind be fixed on that so that all the hard things we go through in this life will just point us even more to you, that we long for that day. Now, right now, we're going to sing a song. I think a lot of you know it, but we're going to sing a verse, and I want you to think about it again, because we're going to sing, When We've Been There 10,000 Years. 10,000 years, what it's going to be like. Let's sing the song in worship, and then we are going to participate in communion again.